0: Welcome into the podcast. Samuel here with Danielle. Danielle, how you doing? Doing good. Wonderful, wonderful. We have like a routine and a rhythm going. Every week we're recording, capturing brilliant things. <laughs> <laughs> Just brilliant. Mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, comments are not open for any kind of feedback on that. Uh, but this week I wanted to talk about teaching. Uh, we've been kind of taking a little bit of an approach where we're talking about different giftings and the way they show up in church culture. Uh, And I had a really simple opening question to start us off, which is, uh, is church doing a good job teaching Christians, people in church, about Jesus or about Christianity and what it means to be a Christian?
1: I think it depends. I think there are groups that do it really well. Mm -hmm. I found that a lot of home groups start out with the idea of teaching. And they turn more into fellowship or support sessions, which are beautiful. Yeah. But they never get back to the teaching. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know what's in the Bible and they've been Christians for a long time. And when you ask them why, they say whenever they open up the book, they don't understand any of it. Yeah. Because no one's ever taught them how to read through it or how to interpret it, mm-hmm. how it makes sense in their life when it's talking about something that happened a thousand years ago. <laughs> And sometimes it feels contradictory when they hear their pastor talk about the love of Jesus, and then all of a sudden they accidentally open their book up to Joshua, and it says murder everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And so they'll just close it back up, and they'll go, I guess I just don't understand these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Old Testament can be hard to reconcile to some New Testament principles.
1: It can. It can. but if you are regularly learning from a teacher who's a little bit further ahead than you, mm-hmm. it helps you go a little further. It's that apprenticeship kind of thing that happens in teaching where someone is able to share what they've learned and it helps you take a step further in what you understand. And then you in turn can share with somebody and teach them what mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really amazing. So so if we're teaching a Christian community and if some do it well and some don't do it well – and there's pastors or teachers or just Christians on this learning how to teach and to teach well. Mm-hmm. What would you say are the are some of the best formats or approaches to teaching people about the word, how to be Christians, how to follow Jesus?
1: Um, I think it's first about finding what you're passionate about in the Bible and sharing that with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then even trying to refine how you share it, where you start to study it more and then better explain it, get more resources on the topic, again, beyond you, theologians who have studied it their whole lives, or even pastors that have just spoken on it and just adding to it and then resharing that, you tend to start to become better at better at sharing. And then you can start branching out into things that maybe aren't necessarily your favorite and do the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. There's also getting to know who you're teaching and how they learn. Because Mm -hmm. some people just want to discuss the bible verbatim some people need a picture painted for them Mm -hmm. and how it's similar to what their life circumstances are now some people just want to discuss the topic and then have almost an argument back and forth on what they believe it's to be yeah and definitely your favorite (laughs) (laughs) but it's really just practicing sharing it's kind of like evangelizing but On a specific topic in the bible with another christian Mm -hmm. sharing what you've learned getting their feedback on it that back and forth and sometimes just building up a christian or even mentioning when somebody has a question being able to quote something in the bible so they know it's there and then directing them to it not just giving them this verse and going see it was there but going over the section with them
0: yeah no, that's really good. Jesus talked about right at the end. He said, "You know, I essentially, I've taken care of the people that you gave me." He's praying to Father God, and those you take, and then he's praying like peace for them and all those things. But that scope, that understanding that Jesus had that there was assignments for him mm-hmm. relationally, right? That God had for him. I see the same thing for us as Christians, right? And if all of the population of Christianity took upon itself that same ownership, that same responsibility that these lives have been put into my life for intentional reasons. Mm -hmm. And I'm not Jesus, but there are things in giftedness. There are things in experience or knowledge or wisdom that I can bring to their life and vice versa. Right. And if, if we take on that kind of concept, then it, it really does provide for a healthier, more holistic teaching environment. Yes. Because the approach to teaching, I find it inescapable that there has to be life on life and the principles have to be immersed or given at the appropriate time.
1: Right. No, it's true. I I remember um I've been to some classes where somebody I really like will be teaching and yeah. I will just be absorbing everything they say. Yeah. And I'll start to talk it with talk to somebody else who was in the class with me about it and they'll say, "Oh, I got this." And then they were just so boring. I zoned out and I couldn't really get anything else from them. So yeah. I got this one point. And sometimes we do have to have that discipline to still hone in, but sometimes it's hard and we can not engage with the style of teaching, but it's our responsibility to seek out that type of teaching that feeds us then and also learn to get God's word from any source. Yeah. It, it is kind of, eventually as you mature a cop out to say you can't learn from this person because of the way they teach because if God chooses to speak through that person it's your responsibility to listen. Yeah. And it might be a little harder and less fun, mm-hmm. but you still can get something amazing from them if you're just trusting God that hey, God called me to learn this person's in front of me to teach. Yeah. I need to see what they have to offer me.
0: Yeah, cuz that it you use the word apprentice at the beginning and I think it's a great illustrative even subcategory to this overarching teaching mm-hmm. concept and that when you're apprenticing with someone, you're side by side, you're learning with them. There's a timeliness to it. Right. If you think about the apprenticeship as a carpenter. It's like, okay, this is how you frame a house. Mm-hmm. So it's not just teaching concept of house framing. It's okay. Now this is the point where you, and this is when you use a screw this is when you use nail or such. Right. And there's the intimate connection to practice.
1: Right. And if you go into psychology, Vygotsky would talk about that circle of learning would expand because you have a master teaching somebody. So something that would be beyond the individual learning on their own or just from rote teaching, they Mm. can now go further because they have a master walking them through it and they can actually go beyond whatever limit they had in that moment for that learning session. Mm. So apprenticeship is really amazing It's just one of those things that you don't always have. Even if you have a mentor in your life that's teaching you, there are periods where they're going to go away for a while. Mm -hmm. So you have to have some other resource out there to learn from.
0: This is interesting. This kind of teacher, master, apprentice, uh, leader, mentor, coaching, we kind of try and dabble to certain things, you know, point Mm -hmm. at it and go, hey, this is what you should have. This is the most biblical version of it. And then sometimes we even throw off, like I remember, um, uh, Pastor Pasquale would do a karate, uh, kajikembo mm-hmm. class, and he would he he would choose different language that was atypical of like you know whether it be karate culture or other martial arts where you would you would call them master and things like that. Right. He's like we don't really go that way because of like Jesus in our life, so mm-hmm. we don't want to lend to a master. We don't want to lend to that place and that mindset. Right. Because Jesus is supposed to take that place of your Lord, your master of sorts. Mm -hmm. So we kind of sometimes reject some of these models. And I don't think that's uh, necessarily a bad idea. I think in a lot of ways and in a large picture, it's a good thing. Right. But there's a part of yieldedness as a part of submission to elders that I think is really missing oftentimes that when we rejected the master Lord models, there's this language of yieldedness to an expert or to a a leader or some version of that that's really missing in in church culture.
1: There is. It's very true because even Paul talked about his walk was important because he was walking ahead. So that the others could follow him and grow along with him. But he also challenged those following him to always check what he said. Yep. Don't just follow blindly. Yeah. Still follow me. But if for any reason I run amiss, you're supposed to be checking that. Don't just believe everything I say. Go check it with the word, check it with another elder. And we were just um, studying Joshua me and the group that I have on Wednesdays. And one of the beautiful things in the very first uh, chapter of Joshua that they talked about, it was this very orderly way of connection that, allows for growth and miracles to happen. And it was God speaking out first to Joshua saying, trust me, be strong and courageous. We're going to do all these things, be strong and courageous. Just pounding in that, be strong and courageous. And then Joshua being the leader that he was saying the same thing back to the people. This is what God said. You need to be strong and courageous. We're going to do this together, be strong and courageous. And the thing that we're often missing was the third thing where the people actually said back, We are with you. You be strong and courageous. We will follow you as you follow the Lord. Be strong and courageous. And it's that three levels of support where God is speaking to the leader, the leader is speaking to the people, and the people are then speaking back to the leader all Mm -hmm. in unity. And that creates this cycle of very healthy relationship and teaching and growth that allows for a flow straight out of God to perform whatever victory or miracle that he's looking to do.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's really amazing. This I've been thinking a lot about the teacher model and information or lifestyle being given Mm -hmm. to folks. And the thing that my personality would want to believe in is that you don't need anybody to achieve it. And yet laced in this thing is a submission culture. Right. And it's wildly difficult to wrap the head around when you understand you're free and yet there's this ingredient that it's almost required of us to submit in order for us to achieve full maturity, mm-hmm. submit to elders, submitting submission into one another. And it's built into this community, you know, cookie mix <laughs> like this right. ingredient, all these ingredients. If you have submission, you have full choice and freedom. You can be an isolated individual if you would choose, but you're not going to be walking in the fullness. Right. And this is where teaching gets really, really hard. Is I'm not just I'm not just giving information, mm-hmm. disseminating information. I am now giving information in a way that requires life change.
1: It it's very true. Um, I don't remember the verse, but there's a verse in the Bible where God basically says anything that we're ever taught, we're now responsible for. Yeah, which I remember was scared me <laughs> when I was younger. <clears throat> there were times where I'd specifically skip conferences. Because yeah. I would basically say to God, I don't want to be responsible for whatever they're teaching right now. I can barely handle what I'm doing. <laughs> and that was my reasoning. Yeah. Like, God, just so you know, I'm skipping out because I can't handle any more responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure I missed something amazing. But God would share or it or later. Not. Or not. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I took that to heart that. Whenever we learn something, when God presents us with it, we are responsible for it. Mm -hmm. We have to start growing in that area. We can't ignore it anymore. Yeah. And so that's where the pastoral partnership is also important, where Mm -hmm. if we've learned something new, we seek out somebody to connect with us and walk through us. Hey, I just learned this thing, but I don't know how to walk through it. Mm -hmm. And I want to be obedient to God. I want to grow. I want to be free of whatever this is. Can you walk with me? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting because there's this church culture, like, okay, so this is one bucket Mm -hmm. we see the world through and experience the world in, and we want to say it's the most important bucket of our life, but for some it's not, for maybe many it's not, Mm -hmm. even though they like church, they like God, for many, I believe it's not their primary life-driving force. Right. And then you see some of the other things that are like life defining and you see like certain business or vocational things that people pursue, they become the sun that that person's life orbits. Right. And it's really interesting to me because in a business model or in some more pragmatic skill sets that aren't ethereal and spiritual and soul related, it's really easy to understand like, well, no, you don't know how to book keep. You don't know that industry. And there's like just real simple knowledge things that a person's lacking and thus they'll never get great business, blah, 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 if they aren't truly just actually learning those skills. Mm -hmm. And it becomes easy to understand who knows what in that industry based on practice, which yields profitability. And then you're like, oh, cool, this person knows what you're talking about. I will essentially submit myself to their teaching, learn, get good at it, and then I'm good. Mm -hmm. But that's just so rarely easy to copy and paste in a church culture.
1: It is. And it comes from a lot of different things. The kind of fruit that we're looking for in the church isn't necessarily always the same as the success we see in the world. Yeah, Sometimes it's cutting things off that have actually been successful. Mm -hmm. Like you've talked about before how fear is very effective for motivating you. Yeah, And to free yourself from that could actually for a while have you take quite a few steps back in success just mm-hmm. because that's been the driver for so long. Mm-hmm. And now you're sitting here, okay, what's my motivation? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I going to push myself in this? Do yeah. I need to push myself anymore? Mm-hmm. But if I do, what is the other motivation I find? Yeah. And so it doesn't always look the same. You're not mm-hmm. going to see that kind of monetary or worldly success Yeah. when you're actually putting out the fruit of God.
0: Yeah. And it's so hard to, it's so hard to determine. Mm -hmm. So if I find pastor a here says he knows what's up and you know, like how am I quantifying that? Like, how am I judging that? Right. Is it that they were nice to me? Right. Like, is that what I'm judging? Like, Oh, they really nice to me. They made me feel warm inside. (laughs) Right. It's like, Oh, then, then you're pretty much your scale for judging whether or not to trust a person is if they pretty much charmed you. Right. So then you're really vulnerable to charmers.
1: Right. The silver tongue. The
0: silver tongue. And I see this in church culture a lot. Mm-hmm. That the silver tongue runs rampant.
1: It does. Runs
0: rampant and causes all kinds of damage. Wins over all kinds of people, plants church, they declare into some kind of weird polygamous thing. And no, but <laughs> that's an extreme, but but they run rampant and they cause all kinds of chaos.
1: They do. And we even saw that at the beginning of the new church where Paul would be sending out warnings. Do not trust this person. They sound good. They have no idea what they're talking about. They weren't there with Jesus. And they're just charming you. Be yeah. careful. Yeah. Always measure against the word and what you have seen before with Jesus what somebody else is feeding you.
0: Yeah. And and people don't like it too much when you bring up listings, right? Elder and deacon lists mm-hmm. of what that looks like. Right. Well, Because it, in a sense, we want to trust those people that make us feel good inside in a church culture. So they preach well, wise and persuasive words or persuasive words correctly cr- constructed with the right tonality and the right pitch at the right time and the mm-hmm. right intensity and the right passion and oh, this person's fantastic right you know? or man that worship leader i'll tell you what their voice and i felt like i was in heaven right oh i and i can't tell you how many times when somebody describes liking a preacher or a worship leader it being nothing more than an emotional experience in it
1: yeah it's true and there have been times where somebody's asked me how was the message today at church? And I just remember these things. I'm like, it was really good. And they're like, oh yeah, what was it about? I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. I just remember being like really caught up in it and it was really good, but not retaining any of it. And then yeah. maybe they'll get a trigger word later. I'm like, oh yeah, it was about this. It was about this. It was good. Yeah. But it was more, you were just caught up in the moment and the excitement and mm-hmm. how they raised their voice and then perfectly timed to joke. And, yeah, and their message may have been good, but that's not what the focus was on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. I don't, I've, I've contended with this thing for a while. I've even been like, no, we can get people to be in a different spot. And after about four years in lead pastoring and about 15, well, really, really, let's say 12 years in ministry. I think that although people can change, humanity will always have the proclivity to be emotionally driven. Yes. And I'm just not I'm not changing humanity's tendencies, Mm -hmm. even if I can encourage a population of people and see a, a certain amount of cathartic change in people's stuff when they experience my voice or others around me and such. And we're a culture that represents authenticity and like spiritually driven, not emotionally. There will always be another batch Another wave, another individual that is in this place mm-hmm. that is emotionally driven, that is sensational, and that just requires another time of partnership.
1: No, it's true. It's very much, we want to feel something. If you're not feeling something, how do you know you're alive? That tends to be how we think. Yeah. And so it's the same in our faith. If we're not feeling something in worship, God wasn't there. It just had to be. Yeah. Because he couldn't have been talking to me any other way. That's always how I felt him. (laughs) God's presence. You know, I've legitimately had people say, I wish the bass had been louder so I could have felt the presence. And they just were talking about the vibration of the (laughs) bass. It's looking for either physical or emotional feeling. I always
0: want the bass and the drums just really, I want to like not be able to hear my ears (laughs) are shaking so much. (laughs) So I stand right by the drums.
1: Right. (laughs) It, but it's true and it does i don't think there's a level of maturity where you stop wanting that yeah i think you might reach a point where after that's all passed then you sit down and you look okay what did i actually get out of that mm-hmm. and was i able to push past that to hear god
0: yeah cuz the very finite principles of teaching are information present like as far as spiritual teaching biblical is information presented that is aligned with biblical structure Mm -hmm. in a way that i mean if it's successful teaching is that the person's able to one understand it and two have inroads to applying it
1: right implementing it is so important it's you're just reading a book if you're not having a way to imply it yeah. It's not anything different than what else you've read. There's tons of good books with moral teachings and advice out there from many different cultures. Yeah, and if you're not able to commune with God, build your relationship, and apply it in your life on a regular basis, yeah, there's not really a point.
0: So, what part? Of, what what degree of understanding do you think a pe- a person should be able to access immediately from a teaching? Because I think about Jesus parables there was very little understanding at times that people had in in an immediate sense. Right. And yet in an eternal or even a 2000 year sense, we're digesting these parables in a way that has lots and lo- they, they continue to teach us.
1: Right. It's true. We definitely gotten the benefit of thousands of years of right. and it regurgitation. Being and going and, back and yes. looking at it.
0: But initially there was lots of examples where they're like, uh-huh. What were you saying, Jesus? <laughs>
1: no, it's true. And I think we're open, especially with the Holy Spirit being our interpreter. Mm-hmm. We're open to getting things very quickly if we're tapping into that source. I think the first thing if you're going into a teaching is being very open with God. I would even say going in with it like a very true heartfelt prayer. God, I want to learn something from this. Open up my heart to yeah. what needs to be said and what I need to hear. Mm-hmm. And just coming in with an open understanding. Again, what we talked about before being unoffendable in what they say. Because, yeah. man, there have been some times where I've heard a teacher and what they said challenged what I knew in such a way that I was ready to fight. Yeah. And Physically? No.
0: <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Dave just goes up but, and starts But, you know, just an argument wrestling. kind of thing where
1: that's not true. I've never learned that before. You're wrong yeah. kind of thing. And I just was open to that check in the spirit saying, hold on, keep listening. And because I held out to the end, I found that gem and realized there's always more to learn and add. And just because you've gotten this new layer, it may have corrected something that you knew before or it may have enhanced it. Sometimes it does wipe out something that you knew that was completely wrong. But if you're open to that, you're just going to grow more. So I would say walking in with an openness to what someone has to say for sure yeah, and being willing to ask questions and not in a attacking, I don't believe you way or let's argue, but in right. an open, like, I want to understand more. This is where I'm coming from and I feel like this is a contradiction. How can we bring an equal understanding into the situation yeah. for me and yeah. having a teacher that's willing to have those conversations and yeah. not feeling challenged by someone's questions. Yeah.
0: The, the, the willingness somebody has to receive to me, it looks like this visual, like you should allow in the right context, right? Church teaching, the right. church. You should allow all things to the loading dock, mm-hmm. but there should be filters between the loading dock and your heart. Right. And so biblically, I mean, I believe this is biblical for me. It's like, okay, test Testing mm-hmm. the words, discernment. Right. What are your filters? Well, they're discernment. They test the word to the word of God. And, and these are appropriate filters. Right. But it doesn't stop you or even discourage you from going, that doesn't sound great. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring it in to the loading dock and mm-hmm. I'm going to look at it. Right. I'm going to suspend conclusions, yes, no, or otherwise. And I'm just going to take a look. Mm-hmm. There's no danger in taking a look when you're suspending that heart connection.
1: Right. It's very true. It's very much having an openness to hear another person's perspective. To consider without feeling the responsibility of just because I heard it, I have to accept it mm-hmm. at its face value. Yeah. Those those are not requirements of each other.
0: Yeah. And that paradigm, because I've I've always told people like if they ask me, like, What's your approach to teaching? I'm like, I always want to try and shift paradigms. One, I want my own to be shifted going into the study of whatever it is I'm Mm -hmm. studying. I want God to shift my paradigm. And a paradigm is more than just a couple thoughts added to my life that are nice. A paradigm is like a way of thinking. It's it's like the structure of how your mind perceives, interprets. It's a collection of ideas that define the way you see the world. Mm -hmm. So every time I preach, my goal is, can I shift paradigms? Right That's my attempt. I'm not always successful, sometimes partially, sometimes with some, sometimes it looks like it's all, but there's the few that are sleeping. and the, That's and, true. The, and the reality though for me is like I want I want people to understand what it's like to have a paradigm shifted. It can feel like you're being displaced. It can because it like almost makes you dizzy like you're like, whoa, my world just got I don't I don't where I don't I'm out. like <laughs> no, that can't be right. right. And I remember different points where people would be in like a teaching scenario with me where like people's brains were getting twisted around and like there's a paradigm shifting happening and there's other people that just didn't want it, couldn't take it. And they would check out. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time going up to see what somebody was writing on. I was like, Hey, what you writing to your man? And it was like, what is this guy even talking about is what he wrote in his notes. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was wonderful though, because it was like a real, evidence of the different kind and then others were just like dude what you just said I don't even know how to I don't even know what to do like Mm -hmm. everything's wrong like all of my life's wrong but but it just shows like the difference of how somebody experiences paradigm challenging teaching right you know Mm -hmm.
1: and it's present throughout the bible examples over and over again of even God directly teaching somebody something and then if you pay close attention, when they share the message God gave them to the next person, it's just slightly off, you know. <laughs> and it's that's part of teaching that God's obviously comfortable with that we need to be too. So when we teach and somebody repeats back what they heard and it's off, you really also as a teacher have to have the discernment to go, okay, does this need further correction? Yeah. Or is this as far as they can get right now? And God's okay with that. Yeah. And he's going to keep chipping off that misconception that's still lingering where mm-hmm. they've rectified to this point, but past that, it's still a little wonky.
0: Yeah. And there's just so much in it. We were sitting down, uh, me and a couple other people, and we were talking about how to develop the prophetic culture mm-hmm. and community. And as we begin to talk about it, it, the isolation attempts or, you know, attempting to develop a thing in isolation, whether it be a gift, a, a principle, a group, you know, men's, women's or otherwise, it's almost like the attempt to do a part and to develop a part can at times lose a holistic perspective. It's true. And it's, it's really a challenge to teach a part and continue to teach the whole. Yeah. But there's this like... Oh, there's this tension on it. The more you focus on a little thing, the more you lose focus of everything. And and it's like a microscope where it lends to like a, like a closer and closer and you're looking at something on a, like a, a molecular level and it's like, wow, that's super interesting. But that doesn't look like anything like a human being. Right. And you're just looking at the arm mm-hmm. or you're looking at the eye and, and you're not really cognizant of the whole anymore. Mm-hmm. You lose sight of the whole when you look too close.
1: It's true. I think teaching is one of those mantles and they all work this way but i think out of all of them teaching is one that should pop up in every other part of the ministry yeah. it looks different in each setting yeah very much when you're evangelizing it's this is the rama word this in the moment perfect teaching moment the thing that you've been missing yeah. that i'm going to share from the bible or from my relationship with god very much mixed with the prophetic of reaching out to the heart but it's still a teachable moment. yeah. And then in pastoring, you're often partnering in a growth. So it's this layered and layered, oh, you got this. Next we can go to the next level of this mm-hmm. and get you a little closer so you don't have to keep going around this mountain yeah. of struggle and sin again and again. Let's get you to the next level of this so there's less of it until you reach that pinnacle and it's not a stronghold for you anymore at all, yeah. not even in a little bit. Yeah. And obviously when you're in a class, you're straight up learning and yeah. that's something, but even apostolic, usually apostles are going to places where they're, they're feeling they're missing something and they need a larger teaching. And the apostle will come in with this overarching. This is what God felt I needed to share with you that you're struggling with. And here's the truth in it. Yeah. But the teaching is there in all of it.
0: Mm-hmm. This is, this is such a beautiful gift to community. This teaching gift, this teaching function. Mm hmm. But the thing that concerns me for like church cultures and community is that it hasn't really cracked the code on how to cultivate yieldedness and submission. And and the reason why I think that this is this jeopardizes our ability to teach is that without submission, without yieldedness, teaching is next to impossible.
1: It's true. I've taught classes where I told them, all right, I know you hate this, but your homework is you need to go home and pray with God and study this word in the Bible and come back and tell me what you got from it yeah it can't just be what i shared and the next week they come in so what did you get oh well, i read it before class i haven't gotten anything yet <laughs>
0: yes yeah, yeah, that's good no. that's good okay <laughs> right because if if you're not really and you see this in like movies teaching other things it's like the guy wants uh, john wooden actually this is probably a better example he would his players first practice he, he won a bunch of national championships ucla first practice he teaches them to tie their shoes Mm -hmm. and step-by-step he tells them what to do and when they wouldn't listen he would and so he's trying to get them to buy into listen to what I'm saying right buy into and trust my instruction and there's this interesting instruction coach teacher yieldedness effect that is required if somebody's going to be an effective teacher in your life.
1: Right. Wasn't he the one that was famous for saying it's the little gains that are important because they actually lead to the lasting big gains? You shouldn't be looking for the big changes in a moment.
0: I'm not sure, but that sounds like John Woon. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something he would say. Mm-hmm. But it's really true, right? There's this, and you can see in a lot of different ways, right? Where, where Jesus' initial instructions are, okay, follow me. Mm-hmm. It's pretty basic, right? Right. And then it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. First shall be last. Oh, yeah, yeah, What's that? You are the rock upon the rock. I'll build my church because you you got revelation from father. That's deeper than just follow me. That's now like let your life be defined by revelation from father. And like, whoa, that's really complicated. That's way further down the line, though. Right. Or like even sending out two by two. This is even further after. So all of the instructions began with very simple. Like, okay, so you're not going to get the deep application, teaching stuff, if you're not just yielding. Right. And I find that to be really interesting and really hard to achieve in a church culture. So I've been pastoring, lead pastoring for like four years now. What I've noticed is that typical models of how this thing is experienced is is people will listen and do in the vein of what they like. Yes. And if they don't like, they either leave or just stop listening.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. We were just talking about how, in in my group, we were just talking about how if you're in a situation with somebody where there's an offense and even a legitimate one, and obviously there has to be safety protocols and realistic things to it, but when you go to God and you talk about the situation with him, you are often looking for, how do I deal with this situation? I'm going to be around this person. And often – what I'll like to do is like, okay, God, why was this even a button that could be pushed? I need this worked on, so it's not a button that can be pushed. In yeah. this area, I don't want to be offendable. And often what God will say, like, yes, we're doing that, but now you also need to go back and partner with that person and love on them. Yeah. And I think everybody gets that often, and that's not how people respond <laughs> very often at all, very much. In that teachable moment, we're like, yes, God, I'm, God's going to help you with things, but he's also going to use you to speak into this person's life that's hard so yeah. you can speak into their life and he's teaching you how to love like he did. Yeah. Cuz nobody was worthy to be around him. Yeah. He was beyond all of them and to take the time to teach people and watch them mess up again and again and be hurtful. Yeah. He always brought them back in.
0: Yeah, this this yieldness to one another things really challenging. Submit <laughs> yourself unto one another. It's biblical. It's a super inconvenient principle. It is. It just is. And and but equally, perhaps more complicated is submit yourself to elders.
1: Yes, because you feel like you can justify that you're only supposed to be submitting to God. So mm-hmm. why am I submitting to a fallible human being? Yep,
0: it's it's at its very least messy. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> because those elders are going to mess up. Yeah. That is the reality. You're not wrong. Like your concerns are there for a reason. At some point, an elder is going to mess up, and they may hurt you. And the saddest thing I always see over and over again being raised in the church is people leaving hurt and angry and there's no reconciliation there and people can leave the church whenever like this isn't a cult. this isn't like a lifelong club you can't leave but reconciliation is biblical it needs to happen even if it's not perfect and you're not best friends afterwards there needs to be let's talk this through meet some sort of resolution and if after that you still don't feel like it's the environment for you that's fine but don't leave with a hurt don't leave with bitterness because what i found is the way the enemy works is he's going to keep bringing it up again until you're just constantly on the run from the same issue and god just wants you to cut it off at the head so it's not dragging you down
0: yeah and so a little bit of pushback I have now in the modern sense of how we do church. We went from having this really, really rigid membership concept, which mm-hmm. is like you die at this church once you join it. Right. <laughs> you leave it, and you've betrayed God. You betrayed mankind. You betrayed your soul. Now Unless you to we launched you, then it's okay. Right. Right. Or we kick you out because of behavior issues. <laughs> but this is kind of where we came from. Right. So in this, people swung super hard other way, which is like, I know I owe nothing to anybody at any given time. I don't have any submission to any person anywhere ever. There are no elders in my life, let alone elders that I would need to even consider what submission looks like. Mm -hmm. I don't really even have unto one another submission because I don't spend enough time with unto one another to even have to consider what submission looks like. The second they get to know me, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. I'm a ghost, baby. You can't find me. And we've, we see this shifting transient population within church culture. Any lead pastor will tell you the same thing. There's a population of people that just come and go, come and go. Call it 20% of the city church population membership right. is just city church. Mm-hmm. Not a church that's called city church, but like they just shift right. and they go and they move. And six months dabble, taste this palate here, odour of there, odour of there and they're just tasting the different revelatory concepts that a church has. Right. But the 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 thing that always gets brought up and pushback is like, "Well, I've been hurt leadership this, leadership that. I have to, but here's what I didn't do. Mm-hmm. I didn't dislocate myself from biblical community." Right. And that there is an inescapable challenging concept that submission to elders and submission to one another is something that is absolutely a vital ingredient in your Christian journey. It is. I don't care what elders they are. Like if I'm just talking big concepts, right? Not talking pastor of the mountain. I'm just talking big concept. I don't care what elders they are or what unto one another they are. I would advise you to have them be godly and wise. Right. That would be my advisement. but. If you want to choose wicked, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. If you want to choose greedy, that's your choice. If you want to choose snake tongue, silver tongue, charismatic, that's your choice. Right. My biblical advisement would be wise counsel. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe would be biblical counsel. And somebody that has true action connected to their faith. Like they love well, they encourage well, they right. partner well, they're generous, they're sacrificial, all those things. Mm-hmm. So my encouragement would be though is somebody actually really learns to do that. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? It doesn't look like you. So submitting an elder, submitting to one another, does not look like you forfeiting uh, discernment or testing of said things. Right. Like we already went through that, right? The filters should be there. Yes. Submission to elders and one another is not, you are now my Lord. Right. Because that's what it was. One pitch of one time, it was, you submit to me, I'm your Lord. Mm-hmm. is what is happening here. Right. So you don't go until I tell you you can go. Mm-hmm. That's that wonky concept. Like, I didn't bless you out of here. Right. And so we started to manipulate that thing, and then that really made things messy. It's like, you didn't it leave did. with my blessing.
1: It's very much a balance of a continual, healthy relationship. Yeah. Because the thing is, especially once you're an adult, there's no parental relationship where someone just tells you what to do and you're just blindly obedience right only with god you should have that especially as an adult i mean with a kid obviously you're supposed to be trusting in the fact that your parents authority says to submit to your parents Yeah. Um, but we also should be praying for the people that we're submitting to yeah. in a way of growth and support for them checking in with them seeing how they're doing. yeah, We often think they're too far ahead of us that they don't need anything from us. What could we possibly offer them? Yeah. And we also need to remember that God covers a multitude of mistakes yeah. in ourselves and our elders. And there's nothing wrong with bringing it to that elder. I saw this. I was a little concerned. This seems weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to definitely trust God with it, but I wanted to share it with you. Yeah. And that shouldn't be overly terrifying yeah. The leader themselves should be open to that discussion. Say, you yeah. know what? I'm hearing you. I'm going to pray about this and think this through. Sometimes you might hear, "I still think what I'm doing is right," sure. and that's where the submission comes into. Right. But it also does not have to be a codependent. I mean, now you're a yes man right. to everything you say. Yeah. It very much, it's still healthy to occasionally and rightfully so say no to your elder. No, I can't do that. Or no, I can't partner with you in that. Or no, I'm not available. It's yeah. not dishonoring to still have the healthy boundaries that we talked about in the filters.
0: Right, because the thing swung, right? right? It swung from dominating, manipulative lords mm-hmm. to lordless. Right. To unyielded. Right. To submissionless.
1: Could you imagine in this day and age with how much we don't want to submit if somebody got a Paul letter at the church? Oh, yeah. I don't even know if it would have been read in the front of the church. Would be right. They would just would have tossed it in the fire.
0: Yeah, we can't read this. Our church will literally leave. Right. Mm-hmm. They'll literally leave because they, have, they don't want to submit these things. These are hard. Mm-hmm. These are lifestyle changing. These are even financially changing. Like submitting character in a way that would hurt your ability to sell and provide for your family. Mm hmm. These are hard things.
1: They are. Most of the letters were heavy correction. Yeah. Only a couple of them were like, you're doing great. Keep going. A lot of them were, what are you doing, people? You need to
0: like fix this. And Jesus talked about Mm -hmm. it. Father prunes. Yes. He cuts things off that shouldn't be there. And And it hurts. Yeah.
1: Like we have to be okay with hurting a little bit when it's cut off. Yeah. Even if we know it's healthy, it's something Mm -hmm. that has been attached to us for a really long time.
0: Yeah. it's I find like the reason I'm bringing all this up in a teaching context is these are the volatile attributes of humanity Mm -hmm. that dislocate us from the lifeline of God's teaching. Yes. Is an unwieldiness and an unyieldedness. And it's in our humanity. There's like a, a, there's a born in rebellion from our Adam and Eve times. Yes. That's like, okay, don't eat this. Mm -hmm. Eats it. Like it's, in there. Right. That we want what we want so bad. And
1: sometimes we just want it because we were told no. We didn't want it before but now we do. Yeah,
0: 100%. We see that (laughs) in kids all the time in their infancy or in in teenagers. Don't be out past midnight. I would want to be out past midnight just because. Right. Even though for every other person, I might have stayed in that night. But man, 12 was the limit so there was a, a real desire in me to push it.
1: Or... The other response again is back to that. Well, I'm going to obey out of fear of the consequence, yeah. not because I'm honoring is you. Yeah, and I
0: honor the wisdom in you, and now I want to learn from it mm-hmm. and grow in it. And even if I challenge it, to then it's okay. It's in a help. Like how am I challenging it? Mm-hmm. What's this due process look like? So before you dislocate yourself from community, before you dislocate yourself from leadership, then go through the due process of the challenge. Right. That's, to me, what is a really healthy individual. And they go through the due process, like where you're at. They're not your lords. Yes, I know. And you can leave anytime you want. Yes, of course. These are not challenged ideals. What's being challenged is the way you're doing relationship. Yes. And you can't just say it hurt, thus I'm out. I'm going to a different place. Because what continues is a pattern of who you are and how you relate to God and to other people. And if you're not learning yieldedness, if you're not learning submission, if you're not you're learning humility, you're going to have a really hard time being taught in the actual form of who you are.
1: Yes. And there's usually something deeper waiting on the other side of getting past that hurt yeah. when you're in connection with that person. Yeah. If you can go have that hard talk, Yeah. this really hurt me the way you said this. Obviously, there's something in my past that this is a trigger to, yeah. or I don't even know, but this, I felt this was really messed up and I just wanted to leave, but instead yeah. I'm talking to you. Yeah. And if you can get through that and you both can read a mutual understanding and healing and a loving place, the relationship just got deeper and there's just going to be so much more from it. Yeah. And people miss out on that because yeah. it's so much easier to run.
0: And then on the other side of the coin, <laughs> this is where it gets really interesting to me is that. I've been talking to people a lot about where you're at in a community because there's those who leave almost prematurely, right? Mm -hmm. They don't go through any due process. They don't go through any relational courage stuff. They don't go through any humility things or carrying a truth that's hard in relationship and having those hard talks. And so there's the premature leave. And then I've noticed there's like the (laughs) post-mature there's like you've been pruning in that place and you're no longer connected to it, but obligation And nostalgia keep you. Right. And that on the other side of the extreme is that you should be in a place where there's real, truthful relationship happening. Yes. You shouldn't be somewhere just because you have been there before.
1: Right. That's very much where counseling comes in. Counseling is that type of teaching where, yes, we reached your healing. God healed you of this. Now let's work through the practice in your life that keep you from going back. Yeah. Because there tends to be a culture within the church of, well, we're going to heal you right now. Prayer, it's done. You know, you're no longer addicted to porn. Yeah. But there's no addressing. So how do we break the habit of you just going back? Because you always have. Yeah. There's no, let's walk you through. So one of the things that you should be doing when you go home is you should stop going to these websites. You should, like, don't even indulge them. Don't test it out to see if you feel anything. You know, you're not checking if all of a sudden you're so healed where you can look at it. No, but people will do stuff like that. They'll be like, well, it shouldn't bother me anymore because I was healed. And then they end up right back into it because they just restarted the thing. It's true. It's very like, or they'll switch. They'll be like, well, I'm not addicted to that anymore. Yeah, Like it was very common when you would go to um, a therapy place for alcohol to help you get over your alcohol addiction, they would give you cigarettes. Yeah. And they would just change your focus. And often, if you don't have the tools and the direction to now no longer live an addicted lifestyle, even yeah. though you don't have the stronghold anymore, the process of breaking the habit of returning, you're just going to go right back.
0: That's a wild. Re- that's a wild addiction replacement. Cigarettes for alcohol. Right. They should have done like teddy bears. <laughs> like <laughs> every time you want alcohol, buy a teddy bear. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> then you have a hoarding situation i know
0: but that's better right don't you think just a bunch of teddy bears somebody walks in your house you're like this is weird (laughs) (laughs) but then you give it away ultimately and my daughter presley would love it
1: you know i mean
0: oh my goodness she might actually have that berry addiction (laughs) just
1: teddy bears teddy bear
0: there's this uh star star is her favorite teddy bear and when she goes to bed she's like where's star star i was like i don't know where'd you put it last she's like i don't know And then, you know what we have to find before she goes to bed? Star Star. Star Star. star. And I try and, you know, other... What about Penguin? Penguin's pretty cool, huh? Don't you think Penguin's cool? We'll find Star Star in the morning. She's like, I I don't know, Dad. Where's Star Star? (laughs) Right. And then I want to find Star Star. Yeah. Because... I'll do whatever to make my daughter happy.
1: that's a normal progression of life, very much so. That star star? We should definitely be questioning ourselves, so though, when we're still acting like that small little child as yeah. an adult with something.
0: When I was a child, I thought like a child, but mm-hmm. now that I've grown, yeah.
1: You know, he talks about how we shouldn't still be drinking milk. We should be on to the meat of our faith. Yeah. If you see an area where somehow you're still drinking milk, I hear some people say, I'm still a baby Christian. I'm like, haven't you been a Christian for 15 years? Yeah. Yeah. How are you still a baby Christian? Like, well, maybe fix that. You just spoke it out as a truth. Yeah. Start going and learning. Yeah. Read your Bible every day. Connect with me. I'm right here. We can talk about things that you're reading that you're confused on. Read a book that's connected to it. Go through a Bible study. Go to groups. Yeah. Stop being a baby Christian if you're aware of it. It's an easy correction. Spend time with God and learn.
0: Yeah. I want to give some advice to this, and you might have some advice too. Okay. As far as like where you're at in community and church and learning, being taught and growing. I'd say this one, don't think of it just as information enhancement. Right. So like, if you feel like you're tapped out on where you're at in terms of a church, ask yourself, have you become what is informationally being disseminated every week? Mm -hmm. Essentially, have you become what they're teaching? Right. And if you haven't and you're getting bored with the information, you're like, I'm not being fed anymore. Then challenge yourself. And there won't be any new information that you'll see or become vibrant to you until you've, started to walk out what you've already been able to register. Right. And if you don't start following Jesus, then you're not really, you could hear the next five lessons. Mm -hmm. But those next five won't be as relevant until you start walking out each principle that has been introduced to you in transformation. Follow him. Okay, cool. Now you're following him. Now, communion, what's that mean? Oh, wow, that's weird. Okay, interesting. Oh, wow, that's really good. Okay, cool. Two by two. Now you're being activated and going out and leading and finding that courage. Right. And so it's just, to me, it's, it's I really believe this too. Like you can be walking with Jesus in a church community that talks archaically. That's true. And still be growing because you're in a personal relationship with Jesus and you can have effect on others and you can even glean like, oh, that scripture's interesting. And then you're into your own sermon narrative for the next 20 minutes. Right. I've done that a bunch of times when somebody's preaching and I was like, okay, I've heard this before. I know where they're going. I know the principles that come out of them. And so I went to another spot, you mm-hmm. know, in my life, which was important. And I started getting like 16 scriptures that were really, really transformative to me. And I began to go mm, and digest it and digest it. And it was sparked by their teaching. But now it's like me. Right. You know, it's hitting me and I'm needing to change. And the rest of whatever they said, like you said, I'm folded up. I got like all this responsibility and all these things I've been taught. If I'm not becoming it, of course it becomes stale. Right. Of course it becomes stale. Yeah. It's
1: very true. And I would say the other thing is share it with people that are safe to get excited about it. Yeah. Like see what they have to say, how they can dive in. If you have somebody that's a good partner in what you feel God's calling you to, partner. We yeah. are very much community-based beings. God made us that way. Find a safe partner. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's not your best friend. Yeah, They might be struggling with the same thing. So you, you don't partner with them and them to help you grow if they're not in the place of growth themselves. But find somebody to partner with you so you have... Somebody encouraging you and cheering you on because it's going to get hard at some point. It's hard to break off things. Yeah. It really is. It's painful. We don't want to. We want things to stay the same. That thing on the other side of the corner is always scary. It may end up being awesome because it does, but the process of getting there is always scary. So don't become an isolationist in your growth either. Yeah. Make sure you're reaching out.
0: Yeah. That's really, I love this. (laughs) I think I could talk about this for another hour. (laughs) Seriously, I think so. But Mikey over here is giving me hand signals. So I think that means, what do you think, Mikey? We got to finish up here, bud? All right, we got to finish up here. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. It's always my pleasure. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll see, we'll see you. Not really see you, but we'll talk to you next time on the podcast. <laughs> Love you. Bye. This my story. This is my song.